Baldry's beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Happy Monday. Another the first full week of the BC Legislature sitting. It is interesting here. It's starting to heat up here politically for sure. The House is back in session. We got an election looming in the fall, so you can feel it, man. You can feel the oh, politics yeah, cracking up. Definitely feel it around the ledge. Yeah, you know, sure. uh, there's a sort of an anticipation. Yep. That this is going to be a lively session. Um, opposition still trying to sort itself out. Like, yeah. Who is the opposition? We don't know. Is it Rustad or is it Falcon? Yeah. Um, the official opposition is is the BC United, but that remains a, a, a fight between the two. Yeah, for sure. Because that BC Conservative got Party now very busy. going up in the polls. So already we're seeing the traditional thing that happens: the budget comes out. And then the budget is reannounced over and over again, various various aspects of it at that event. So as we speak right now, David Evie and Ravi Kalan are holding <coughs> holding a news conference in Vancouver talking about the flipping tax. Right. So this is the property flipping tax, anti flipping tax. How would this work? So if you sell a home your home you buy a home, you sell it within a year, you pay twenty percent of the profits. Ooh. Um and there are exemptions. So you get to keep eighty percent of the profit? Yeah, you'd so, have to turn over twenty percent of your profit. Yeah. So the uh, there are exemptions though. Um, if you lose your job, you get divorced, you have a death in the family. There's a whole range of exemptions. So again, I'm not sure how big an impact this is going to have. You and I were talking before we came on just in Victoria here. I haven't seen any evidence that housing prices have dropped at all. The only thing I've seen that's noticeable, at least in Victoria, is there suddenly seems to be a number of vacancy signs for apartments. Yeah. And condos. Um, don't know if that's because of the ban on short-term rentals or whatever, but that that I haven't seen a vacancy sign for years. And suddenly, in my neighborhood of Fairfield, there's suddenly several vacancy signs. Okay, so just on this anti-flipping tax, so you you flip a house within one year, it would be twenty percent tax, and then if if you flip a property within two years. You'd also pay tax, but it goes down, right? Like it would be a lower tax scale. if it's yeah. within two, year yeah. two. But again, the jury's out whether this is going to have much of an impact. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how many people. I mean, the average price of Metro Vancouver is one point one million. I think. Yeah. For, um, I'm not sure how many people buy a one point one million dollar home and do a little fixing up and sell it for one point two. That seems. To I be. guess some people are still flipping properties. I, I mean, suppose. it was so popular. You know, there were so many TV shows about it on the Home and Garden Network. You know, flip your house, make big money flipping houses. Yeah, that seems to be a number of years ago when houses were more affordable. Yeah. Well, not many people have the the financial backing to buy a one point one million dollar home. Yeah. Uh, and take the risk of uh, carrying a huge mortgage and then take the risk that you're going to make a profit on it in a very short uh, time frame. Yeah, the other thing is, and you touched on this briefly, is can we actually tax our way out of this crisis here? I mean, this is what the opposition is saying, like, oh, more taxes on property, great. This will. Yeah. How is this going to help anything? Like, isn't the biggest problem is that we're bringing a million people a year into Canada and the, house, the number of new housing starts is actually going down? <laughs> Yeah. It's going down. Yeah. It's in the going yeah, in the wrong that direction. That seems to be the heart of it. In BC's population is growing 150,000 people a year. Um, there's we're not building anywhere near that number. No, the housing, housing. starts are going down, yeah. going in the wrong direction. So you know we build 40,000 new homes a year, and 150,000 people move here. Yeah. Um, the the, the net population increase is significant it has been for the last few years and, and you can bring in all the flipping taxes in the world yeah. it's not going to make any flipping difference no it doesn't put, seem to me put me in the 
category of I just don't think there's an easy answer anytime soon. Yeah. And then and just lastly on this point, you mentioned that there are some exemptions because immediately you can think of a reason why you would legitimately have to unload a, a, a yeah. property that you lose your job or something. Yeah, right? no, there, there's a whole bunch of exemptions. You know, you get divorced, you get separated, you lose your job. Um, so now we got to have a big provincial bureaucracy to investigate all yeah, these well, now? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, who is there a new... I mean, the housing ministry is brand new. Yeah. You know, we haven't had a housing, standalone housing ministry since the 1970s. And Ravi Kalan was the first one. So that's a ministry that's brand new. And presumably they're going to be the, the watchdog on this. Let's talk about gas taxes. So we've got the provincial carbon tax set to go up on April 1st, so a little over one month from now. Gas prices on the rise again. The official opposition, speaking of BC United, they're saying give people a break at the gas pump. They would eliminate the provincial fuel tax, which is a separate tax from the carbon tax. Mm-hmm. This is why we have the highest gas prices in North America. Well, a whole so bunch many of taxes tax. on your on your fill up. Right. So the provincial fuel tax, fifteen cents a liter, and BC United saying they would eliminate that tax permanently. So presumably, if that happened, you would see the gas price of gas go down fifteen cents a liter overnight. That's one argument. Right, that's what they're... Now, listen to EB's response on this, because EB was asked about this, cutting gas taxes. Have a listen to what he says here. We have seen other provinces where they've taken taxes, in Alberta specifically, they took their taxes off their gas prices, and the gas companies just increased their prices right back to where they were uh, before the taxes were taken off. So they gave up all of that revenue to pay for things like transit and public services, and they didn't do anything other than increase the profits of the oil companies. Well, I mean, that was the same argument John Horgan used to make, uh, except when he was in opposition. Opposition parties like to make the argument quite the opposite. Once they get into government, they seem to change their tune. Uh, I think EB's been challenged on this. I've seen on social media that people are saying, yeah, it it did happen where the prices did go up, but that didn't last over time. Yeah. So I haven't checked. I should, you know, I haven't done my homework yet. But I would like to it'd be interesting to go see what the prices are in Edmonton and Calgary today, versus what they were a year ago. I know at the beginning they did jack up. I mean, there was there were, the oil companies did swoop in, but I'm not sure that's still the case today. I guess I guess AEB is effectively alleging their collusion by these big oil companies that they all get together in some smoky back room and say, "Okay, the government's going to cut gas taxes. Here's what we're going to do, guys. We'll just put up our prices all at once." There's at the so same many amount. so many moving parts when it comes to gas taxes. You know, yeah. the price in Victoria is different than the price in Vancouver. Yeah. How close are you to a refinery? Do you have to pay for transit in your local region? Uh, you've got carbon taxes. Um, the price of gas in Kelowna is different than the price of gas in Vancouver. There's not one price fits all. Do you think, do you think this gas tax issue could be a big election issue in the fall? Like if you've I'm not got sure the, if there's any. Yeah. I mean, so far, there has been no issue that that's moved the needle here when, yeah. when it comes to public opinion. We keep talking about housing. We keep talking about affordability. We, you talk about gas taxes. Nothing changes public opinion. Everything seems to be... Locked in, etched in stone in BC when it comes to political party support. Which is David Eby and the NDP with yeah. a big lead. Exactly. Yeah. Now, where everyone seems to be venting their frustration in BC is against the Trudeau government. Yeah. So Trudeau's wearing all this stuff. Eby's not. And that's the challenge for the opposition here. They've got to transfer that anger and frustration towards the Trudeau government yeah. onto the EB government. And that's not, there's only eight months to go before the election. That's not an easy task. Okay, real quickly, the situation in Surrey schools here bursting at the seams, and it's interesting what the school board is doing there, extending the school day, going to staggered school hours 
for, I think it's five high schools in Surrey. So let's listen to Gary Timoshuk here from the school board. You'll also hear from a frustrated parent here, Dean McGee. Have a listen. They may start maybe half an hour earlier and go half an hour later. It's going to be hard to deal with the early mornings, if you've got sports practices, if you've got uh, to deal with getting yourself to work and getting your kids to school. Yeah, and the interesting thing, too, is that the budget last week contained no new money to build new schools in Surrey, correct? The, the only new school uh, earmarked for construction in the budget was here in Victoria, Cedar Hill Middle School. There was no, not a single new school. Now, schools take aren't built in one year, so there are a number of schools that are under construction in Surrey, but there's no new uh, uh, schools. Now, there's also... Did that surprise you there was no new money in the budget for schools? Because yeah, it's such it a did. hot issue it right did. now. It did. actually came up in the budget lockup in the Q&A yeah. with the finance minister. Like, where where's this money for schools? Now, there's a big contingency fund in the, in the budget, and a lot of us are thinking, hmm, come the election campaign, are we going to see David Eby appear at a, a vacant field in Surrey and say... Under my government, we're going to build a school here and maybe make a couple of appearances in Surrey. So um, the book's not closed yet no. on whether or not there's going to be new schools in Surrey. Yeah, I got a it's feeling we'll see a lot of promises. The staggered hours are interesting. Yeah. Um, you and I, are our kids are grown now, but yeah. when we're teenagers. Getting kids up early, <laughs> particularly teenagers, yeah. getting them out the door early in the morning is a, is a trying task. Yeah. And I've often thought, and educators have talked about this before, should, should teenagers who, who are, need more sleep because their gro- bodies are growing, should they not go to school in the afternoon? Later. Forget the morning. Later. Uh, but now asking uh, parents in some schools to get up a half hour even earlier, yeah. I think that's more of a challenge than a half hour yeah. late in the day. Spaldry's Beat, we go right to your phone calls here. Dave and Mission. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. Oh, hey, Mike. Keith, thanks for taking my call. Uh, here's, here's the thing. The government, it, it's always been one year and you have to pay capital gains when you sell your house, okay? Now they've upped it to two years. Are they going to up it to five years soon? Like, when are they going to stop reaching their hand in our wallet and telling us what we and stop telling us what we can and can't do with our after-tax money? And the other point is, they're only building 40,000 houses and they're bringing in 160,000 people a, a year to B.C. Are these people in government that mathematically challenged that they can't figure it out? I mean, thank, it's, thank it's you. simple thank, math. Thank, thank you, Dave. Well, yes, the, the, the provinces are, are pushing back against Ottawa when it comes to these record immigration levels. Yes. And there has been some movement. It's federal jurisdiction. Yeah, federal jurisdiction. There's been a, a cap now on post-secondary uh, students, for example. One of the things that was not in the budget, actually it was sort of an asterisk, um, the money for, for universities did not account for this drop in revenue from post-secondary uh, students. So that's another little thing. international students. Inter- international students. Yeah. So that's that's uh, another shoe to drop. And you know, you get Victoria, University of Victoria, I think was something like thirteen million dollars was lost revenue. Mm. You start. You know, it's going to be even higher for UBC and SFU. Yep. Um, some of these other colleges and universities. So that's uh, that's another little asterisk that's contingencies budget, which is several billion dollars in the budget, probably going to have to be used to to cover the shortfall. Mm. Beth in Abbotsford. Hi, Beth. Go ahead. Hi, I can speak to the early late run from a student's perspective. I'm in my 60s, and I was in Pittsburgh when I was in high school. I don't remember. I think even in middle school and elementary had the same thing. Those students that were close to the school, we had 2,000 in the high school. Um, If you were close, you were early run, which started, I think, at 7.15. And if you bust, 
you were late run, and so there were, and that was when we did periods during the day, not these blocks. So we, there were nine periods in the day in that school, and I was one to eight, and the late run was two to nine. And oh. those students that were in sports, you kind of got a bit of a break. You'd get some homework done, then you did your sports. I ran track. And then if you didn't have a sport, you were going to work early, and you basically, you know, you were, it was very productive. Now, as far as how much that costs, change is always different and difficult. So to implement something like this, no, I don't think anybody's going to like it. No. But down no, the, the parents... road, I mean, you've got one building that you're using for multiple more students, and you don't have to create the cost to build another. So to me, I mean, it was natural. We moved in. That's the way it was. Mm-hmm. That's what you did. And thank you, thank you, Beth, thank you, Beth, for a really you, good you, call. You could thank do you. a whole segment, a whole show on why is the school system the way it is why is it nine to three it's been nine to three for 150 years why is july and august the off months a lot of this is based on the old agriculture the harvest season agriculture um there's so much stuff i remember a former deputy minister telling me this at some point will there be a complete transformation of the school system to get away from this automatic nine to three Start with 15 minutes on either end or such. Is should there not should that not be the norm? Staggered stock. And she makes an interesting point: the further you, you live away from the school, you know, does that mean you, that you you're, the, you're the early shift yeah. if you so live close? Again, hmm. in one classroom with you know 30 kids, 25 kids sitting in rows. Yeah, I mean it's been this. I remember going to my daughter's classroom. I thought this is exactly the same classroom I was in. Nothing has you know, changed years before. Yeah, Mike and Vernon. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hey, morning, guys. Yeah, the, your your previous caller talking about the schools. I was going to bring that up. I know, sir. I'm pretty sure that Surrey did it. I I think we staggered it for some classes when I was in school. Excuse me, in the mid 70s, and um, I know that in the mid 80s, I think Earl Marriott in White Rock did it as well. So it has been done before, mm-hmm. and uh, and the building sitting empty. I agree. I mean, like they're sitting empty for so much of the time. And is it not cheaper to use the buildings than it is to build yep. new ones? So the other yep. thing, guys. Right. Yeah, point- no, a very good point. I mean, why not? Uh, again, you and I are both the fathers of teenagers. Getting yep. them up in the morning was a struggle. Why not have them go to school until seven o'clock at night? Yeah, you know, instead of getting up early in the morning. I think something like that has to be seriously considered. Teachers Union doesn't like it. I mean, oh. the, the Surrey Teachers Association is saying, build more portables. We don't want to do this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's why change in the school system is so, occurs in very incremental amounts. Cam and Surrey. Cam, you got 30 seconds here. Okay, go ahead. I think EB's really smart. He identified the problem using that Alberta example with the 15% saying that if one person puts down the price 15%, then either the government or the companies. That's the problem inherently right there. Governments and companies fighting for the profits of a a commodity that's needed for our economy. So it's got to be regulated differently without the companies and the government being able to enjoy that 15%. That's, okay. you identified the problem right there? Thank you, Steve. 20 seconds. We've been talking and covering gas taxes and gas prices for decades, and we're going to continue to do that. Yes, we will. I think it's, it's shaping up as a, as a hot election issue, I think. 911, what's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh, my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. 
I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.